I think I might be the ultimate version of Jason Latour because if there's another version, I will find him and kill him. And you are listening to the ultimate spin. <laughs> <laughs> Gwen Stacy. I went to a science demonstration, got bitten by a radioactive spider, and now have these amazing powers. To the residents of New York, I'm the dangerous vigilante called Spider Woman. But you know me as Spider Gwen. Now let's find out what I've been up to. Are you ready? Because it's time for the ultimate spin. Face it, Tigers, you are listening to Ultimate Spin. Welcome to the Spider-Man podcast that looks at a different corner of the web and follows the ongoing adventures of Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales. In this episode, we're happy to welcome our guest, Breeze Riley from themarvelreport.com to discuss the conclusion of the Predator's arc and the arrival of Gwenum in Spider-Gwen issue number 24. I'm Jack. If this is your first time checking out our show, then we invite you to visit ultimatespinpodcast.com. There you can download or stream all the previous episodes for pretty much every Gwen and Miles issue to date. You can also check out our exclusive in-depth conversations with the writers, artists, and all of the creative teams who bring these characters to life. And most importantly, if you're listening to this, then we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com and tell us what you think of the stories, the art, the characters, whatever's on your mind. This podcast is by fans and for fans, so we'd love to feature your comments on the show. And as I'd mentioned up front, we are very pleased to welcome Breeze Riley from The Marvel Report. Welcome, Breeze. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to talking about this week's issue. So Breeze came to our attention because she's been writing these great reviews of the Gwen series for The Marvel Report. You want to tell us a little bit about that site and about yourself? Yeah, so The Marvel Report is a fan-run site dedicated to, you guessed it, all things Marvel. Um, So we cover comics, TV, movies, uh, even collectibles and gaming. Um, So I've been writing for them a little over a year now, writing weekly comic reviews. Um, It's a great site. I encourage you to check it out. Um, We definitely take a deep dive into all things Marvel. So even if you're a DC fan, still check it out. Um, um, So that's my main uh, contribution to the comic sphere. Um, I'm not a full-time journalist or anything, just a full-time fan. So what is it about Spider-Gwen that works for you? Yeah, so I just love how they've turned the traditional uh, spider character on its head, bringing in Gwen. I think she's very relatable. I'm a woman in my early 20s myself. I love watching her adventures and seeing her grow. I think Jason Latour does a great job of making her a sassy, relatable character. I guess I'd consider myself sassy as well. (laughs) So there's that. Um, But I just think it's a fun book. Obviously, it's gotten a little more serious lately, which we'll talk about later in the podcast. But I think it's definitely one of Marvel's uh, shining stars right now. Yeah, we we couldn't agree more. And especially um, after last issue, which was very lighthearted, we kind of done a an emotional 180 here and uh, things have gotten very intense. So we should probably jump into it and catch up with Spider-Gwen number 24. I believe it's my turn for the recap, isn't it, Brian? I believe it is. So listeners, in case you haven't read it in a while or you're listening to this podcast in the distant future, if the world still exists at that point, who knows? (laughs) Exactly. I will go through Spider-Gwen number 24, hopefully in less than 30 seconds. A quick switcheroo to start us off as the symbiote goes straight for Logan instead of Gwen. While the new Venom Logan tears into the police, we switch gears and change over to check up on George's condition. He's not dead, but not conscious either, and Foggy Nelson is panicking and calling Matt Murdock. 
Kitty manages to phase through and pull Logan out of the symbiote, and Venom then turns its attention to Gwen. She briefly resists with the power of Face Tiger by the Mary Janes, but when Matt tells her about her father, gives her a glimpse through a portal, she gives into her emotions and fully unleashes Gwenum at last. So I think I boiled it down quite a lot there. It felt like a really dense issue, and I, I struggled to try and keep that as succinct as I could. But I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Do you guys agree? It felt dense, but it also felt like it moved at 100 miles an hour. I mean, this was... Yeah, that I think that's quite of the quite the big talking point for this issue. I've read a couple of reviews, including Breeze's on the marvelreport.com, and that seems to be a common thread of people saying it's got a lot happening, but the, the pace works really well. Uh, Breeze, do you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think this issue is kind of uh, pulling double time, ending the Predators arc, but also starting off Gwenham. Definitely. But I but I think it's a seamless transition. You don't feel like the ending of Predators is rushed. And I think they kind of slowly, um, I guess, uh, get you into the Gwena mark and show that transition in a really calculated and um, compelling way. And you mentioned the the curveball at the start of the start of this mm. issue. Like it's it sets up with this very powerful, simple idea about everyone. Everyone casts a shadow. There's a darkness that that follows us, you know literally and metaphorically and then we see the the uh, the venom creature like behind Gwen lunging forward i did not see that coming in a million years that it was going to go for logan not at all but it totally makes sense because wolverine the character has always had a dark side to him he's always battling with his his inner demons and his kind of i mean he's gone feral a couple of times in in the main continuity of comics and things like that as well his inner conflict is such a part of his character even without the symbiote it totally makes sense to pair those two up. And yeah, like you, Brian, I had no idea this was coming and it was a really, really cool start to... And the design, oh, the the samurai armor, again, classic callback to, to old school Wolverine, Chris Claremont and those guys. And in this universe, he is Japanese. Exactly. It's a nice touch. Yeah, I really thought with this, it was a clever move by Jason to start out with someone else being Venom because it really sets up that Gwen is making the choice that she is going to take on the symbiote and she feels like it's her responsibility. As you kind of mentioned, Brian, um, in this podcast and in some of the previous ones, a lot of this comes down to what responsibility Gwen takes on and the consequences of that, which we see later, of course, with what has happened to her dad. It's that topic we've discussed a lot, and it's certainly a theme that you picked out early on, Brian, that was, and as you said, Breeze, just now, the, the, the choice and the responsibility kind of dynamic for Gwen, and it turns the classic power-responsibility dynamic on its head. And once again, like you said, Breeze, Gwen is such a, a perfect spider character in that she is a kind of reverse of the typical setup. We've seen Peter Parker's story done so many different times in so many different ways, and her twisting it on its head like this with the way Jason and Robbie and, and the character have done that this like you said her choosing to give in choosing to have that and having Logan as the kind of I don't know the the bait at the beginning like oh right okay it's not just it doesn't go straight for her because of you know she's the main character it's not just a nice little switcheroo and a ha ha he's going for Logan it's an actual storytelling method that that the team have used to set up Gwen and her choice to unleash it right at the very, very end there. Just by grabbing Logan, it puts Kitty in this position where, and then like, because they, their relationship was very fractious too, right? Were they working against, against each other, but they clearly have a history, but we haven't really gotten to dig into that too deeply yet. 
I think it's really interesting, um, the arc that she does team up with uh, Kitty Pride like that, and how it sets up that maybe Wolverine and Kitty aren't the main villains, which you see later when they bring back Matt Murdock. Right. So I think it's a good way to kind of, pun intended, phase out those characters. You're ending <laughs> that you're ending that arc um, in a strong way, but you're not just cutting off. I feel like um, in the past few issues with Harry, I wasn't necessarily satisfied with how they're kind of, they were kind of just done with that character. And they're like, okay, we're moving on now to Venom. But um, I think they really wrapped that up nicely. Harry has always been kind of an interesting, sort of weirdly rushed character for me. I mean, even how he was introduced yeah. as, as the Green Goblin, right? He was in flashback, uh, you know, they had the their relationship in high school set up and then he shows up at their camp reunion. And then, by the way, I've got this glider and I'm the Green Goblin. See ya. <laughs> It was weird how they just kind of they just kind of leave him lying on the floor like he's alive isn't he he'll be fine he'll be fine o- okay he's in Madripoor like what <laughs> how is he gonna be? he's like naked barely alive in Madripoor thousands of miles away from home like what he's probably not gonna be fine he's just stuck there with just a cowboy hat to keep him company <laughs> <laughs> that's no way to leave poor Harry Osborn but I want to touch on something you mentioned Breeze like bringing Matt Murdock back is such a genius move. And I know this is something we agree on after I read your review is Matt Murdock is such an amazing villain for Gwen. The fact that he is basically the kingpin of this universe and is tying everything together. And he is the mastermind behind everything that's gone wrong pretty much in, in Gwen's recent issues is such a brilliant touch. And even when she seems to outsmart him, he's still one step ahead and oh, he's, he's so intimidating and creepy and cold and calculating. I never thought I'd say like Daredevil is the best villain of this book. That's a weird sentence to say because a lot of time Daredevil fan. It's very strange. I think it's uh, interesting with the tone of this book with Gwen's rogue gallery. A lot of times they're kind of poking fun. They're the, these very comical characters. You look at the bodega bandit, for example, but Matt really is kind of her true arch nemesis. And I, I'm a little biased, but I think those kind of psychological uh, plays are always the strongest when you look at comic book villains. He was really exploiting kind of like her darkest um, intentions, her darkest impulses, and uh, exploiting that relationship she has with her father, which is really the only one she has, as we were talking about earlier. The Harry relationship really doesn't necessarily always ring true. It's a little rushed. It's a little underdeveloped. But that relationship with George is definitely the emotional foundation of the book. And speaking of emotion, I mean, Robbie's range in this book with facial expressions, we should start there. I I think when you're talking about Matt and Gwen and the plan coming together and her facial expressions, when she realizes position her dad is in, that is really like heartbreaking stuff. I thought with, as the venom kind of creature is enveloping her and amazing work from Robbie. Oh, I agree completely. I think this is, maybe one of his strongest issues as far as uh, character expression. And definitely. it was definitely breaking my heart while reading it. Yeah. Like you said, Breeze, the the relationship between George and Gwen is such a key, like it's the, it's the emotional keystone of this entire series and her entire character in this universe. And the fact that it's that, that kind of makes her break. It, it had to be, it had to be that, that would finally make her give in to this sort of thing. And the way Robbie goes from, squinting eyes to angry eyes to bright super wide eyes and then you know that grimace on her face when she pins matt up against the wall and as you said brian that the venom symbiote is like 
literally creeping up her suit and almost like oozing out of a pore somewhere or something. And that's not something you really see. Um, I, I'm, I'm not read modern Venom comics very much, but is usually kind of like you take it off to reveal your face. Like Eddie Brock used to do that and would take his kind of quote unquote mask off and talk to a talk to Spider-Man or talk to whoever he was talking to. And then it just goes back mostly under control. This feels like a very feral and wild version of Venom where it's entirely almost dictated by her emotions at the time. It almost switches on and off depending on how she's feeling. And it builds and builds and builds, and then finally that massive unleash with the the classic like venom hiss and the tongue kind of cracking across the panel and smashing policemen across the face and things like that. It's absolutely amazing. It, it feels like venom is like a force of nature. The way Robbie and Rico have made the kind of explosion of lines and the crazy background and stuff like that is this total dynamic shift to the kind of quieter moments of her realizing it's when it's just close up on the face, close up on the face and this massive, powerful explosion of anger and rage and vengeance. It's brilliant, brilliant stuff. Even to back up the, the introduction of, I mean, the long awaited introduction of Gwenham herself or itself or themselves or whatever. Themselves. The, themselves. <laughs> themselves. She definitely uses we. So we, yeah, I yeah. mean, those yeah. were probably four or five of my, my favorite panels in the series to date as the darkness is enveloping her. And the thwip thwap of grabbing the phone, just the desperation of that that panel where it's just her eyes in the glow of the phone. That's one of my favorite things. Robbie and Rico on fire there. And even Clayton Coles with the positioning of the word balloons for the Face of Tiger song, just kind of that arc over the two panels. And then she finally explodes. And that moment was was worth the wait. I almost wish we didn't get a preview of what the character design was because it was it was so great in context. Yeah, if we hadn't have had this spoiled in solicits and covers and stuff. And yeah. Obviously, way back when, when they did the variant cover, that was kind of the, the joke that is the impetus for this whole thing. Right. I really wish that It's Your Last Shot moment had been the reveal. And everybody, that would be a really, like, holy crap kind of moment. <laughs> I mean, it still was. It still was It was. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. But I feel like that would be game-changing every reader like drops the book as they're reading it they're like being dropped on buses and subway stations and things like that and everybody's like oh my god where's this where's this design why is the tongue like cascading down her front this is terrifying this is insane and i did want to talk about uh robbie's design of the gwenham costume i really love that he's kind of kept gwen's silhouette he hasn't made her look you know i feel like often with the venom we've seen so many variant covers in the recent past it's kind of like this hulked out they have these super sharp teeth like really mm. kind of monster looking there is a little bit of that in the costume but he's also keeping it that it looks like gwen you can tell it's gwen i think it works really well with the emotional arc that she's kind of embraced uh venom it's not you know taking control of her she's kind of bonded with it you still get the pink that rico loves to use i think it's just a really nice touch that he hasn't completely you know made her into this grotesque monster it's a it's gwen but it's a very scarier gwen yeah and jason latour has mentioned in the past that like everything has been building up to this arc ever since edge of spider-verse and that moment where she's going after the cops that reminded me of when uh I don't remember what issue it was, but she was with the Mary Janes and she ended up throwing the Punisher out of the bodega window. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that. Those... Where they get the, kind of get the first hint that she's Spider-Woman. Yeah, but it's yeah. like those seeds of darkness too, just kind of seeded in there where she just lost control in the moment. 
I feel like this is clicking together for me in a really great way. Mm. It totally feels like it's it's earned. It's not totally out of the blue. Oh, she's suddenly a really angry character for no reason. Like you said, Brian, they've Jason and the team have been laying these seeds for planting the seeds for this story for so long. And just little moments like that where she snaps or she shouts or she punches somebody or throws a punisher through a window. You get that little moment of like, oh, yeah, I can. I can. If you know Gwendolyn's coming and you're reading that, you can. I can. I can totally see what the what the symbiote's going to do. And as we know from Logan, and I'm sure a lot of listeners and uh, readers of the series know from Gwendolyn in general, it brings out the worst in you. It amplifies your worst emotional features. And for for Gwen, that seems to be her anger. And for Logan, in that case, it was his bloodlust and his kind of his rage as well, which is again a common theme for Wolverine and that character over the years but it's an interesting twist because peter parker often becomes arrogant and kind of he doesn't become angry he just becomes super super sure in himself and that's often his downfall when he's in the black suit and the the less we say about spider-man 3 the better but (laughs) that that is one of the few things that film did well was it made him into a very unlikable character you clearly know something's up with him even with that terrible street dancing scene, good God! How dare scene. you? That's one of the that's uh, one of the oh, greatest things yeah. I've ever seen. Cinematic masterpieces, clearly. <laughs> That'll be a panel in the next Gwen issue. Don't yeah, don't you worry. <laughs> right. I would totally be down for her dancing down the street to Mary Jane's. No, this is Gwen. It's going to be more indu- like more like Nine Inch Nails, just kind of industrial strutting. I'm, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's go metal. Let's go industrial. Get some Ramstein in there. We'll be fine. I wouldn't be surprised if she goes if there's some musical kind of tie-in and the fact that she used the music against the symbiote at the beginning here and maybe because she's kind of embraced that it will not necessarily become a part of it but the sound thing will maybe become less of a problem for the symbiote in the future or maybe that's how she'll finally get rid of it she goes to a mary jane's concert who knows who knows i think that would be a great if she uh went to a mary jane's concert and especially with mary jane always accusing her of being spider woman that would be an interesting (laughs) um clash i'm not spider woman then this this giant alien symbiote thing just explodes out of a backpack or something (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about the the drama of the art there i do want to call out a couple panels because there were some moments that made me smile as well i think uh it was a nice touch jackie mentioned the samurai armor for Logan as a callback. I also like that Kitty's jacket had Lockheed the dragon on the back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really that cool was a nice little, little touch. There, Brian. But even um, Gwen briefly putting on the cowboy hat in the Spider uh, Woman costume, looking great and ridiculous. And it was a blink and you miss it moment. But when Logan, as Venom, is on the attack, he is slicing someone and the blood forms the sound effect. Yeah, it does the, the slip like and the slit. I mean, that's yeah, such yeah, a yeah. great touch. And then, I, I mean, as we were saying, like, this issue is so fast and so intense and dense. I mean, there are these great little things that, you know, really, I think, warrant rereading and taking your time with it if you can. So what do we think is uh, in store for George? Is he going to make it? You know, I do think he's going to make it. I don't think you often put a character in a coma just to um, kill them off immediately. Um, but I, I do think that it's going to inform uh, how Gwen approaches Spider-Woman in, in the future and whether she decides to keep taking up that mantle. It will definitely have repercussions on Gwen going forward and her professional relationship, non-professional relationship with Matt Murdock as well. And I think 
he will be either physically or mentally scarred or possibly both from from that attack and if we see george with sort of a a walking cane or something like that in the future or something to kind of show what he's been through i can totally see him maybe suffering from ptsd or something like that going forward as well i think that would be an interesting kind of way to to bring up that kind of subject and that kind of topic in this book and this book has dealt with as we're saying this is starting to deal with some heavy real life issues and, and has done even with the mary jane's kind of spin-off issue that whole kind of misogynistic outlook thing that it, it tackled in a really funny way but it's a real real life problem that people have and that happens on a daily basis i think that would be a really cool way of having another you know interesting topic to tell in this mostly light-hearted but secretly very deep book here's another thing that was on my mind as i was reading this i mean we had talked to robbie and to jason in the past and uh maybe it was last year or a year and a half ago or something robbie had made a statement saying that he would be most likely signing off after Gwenham and taking that with jason's statement that uh you know everything has been building up to this I, I'm a little nervous. Like, I, I hope this is not the end for the book and, and this team. You know, I, I hope there are many more stories and issues to go, but it, it does feel, I mean, that was ticking in the back of my mind. Like, are, is this the home stretch? And I don't know. I mean, yeah. do you think the book uh, would keep going if, if one of them dropped out? I don't know if they would hand it over to a totally new creative team. I mean, we've talked about it before we kind of made the, the fantasy, if you had to pick someone to take over Spider-Gwen, who would it be kind of discussion a few episodes ago. But I don't know if Marvel would want to do that. I'm I'm sure that the series is doing well enough that they would probably want it to continue, just from a kind of business side of things. But I do wonder, because Jason literally described Gwen as his, like his surrogate daughter in a way. And I do wonder how difficult it would be for those guys to, to let go. And, and like you said, Ron, whether Jason and the guys would continue if Robbie does decide to to hang up his pencil, as it were, and, and kind of move on to the next stage in his career, whatever that may be. And I wonder if this is Robbie's swan song and maybe the entire team's swan song. I would hate to see them go. That would be a real shame because Robbie has been such a unique and powerful artist in, throughout this series. But I, I would like to see Spider-Gwen in some form or another, whether that's under the pen of Latour or with a new artist or with a totally new creative team I think there are some teams that are currently working for Marvel that could could do well and could continue the story even in the absence of this these great guys yeah because early on the character was popping up elsewhere there was the web warriors spinoff yeah. I think she, yeah. was she in a force briefly at one point I don't remember but uh, even an all-new Wolverine annual but I don't I think she's been more or less contained to this book for the most yeah, part it, recently I think there's a big difference between having a crop up in a group book and having our own solo series and, and take tackling an entire arc that would then, because pretty much every arc, like we said, explores a different emotion, explores a different kind of deep seated topic or whatever about Gwen and her surrounding cast, whether it's George or whoever and uh, her relationship with her supporting cast. Yeah. I meant in terms of exposure for the character. Mm, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe she would cross over into some, some more books if without this book she would be given more more panel time in other series. I don't know. I don't think she's had that much panel. Even when she shows up, it's more kind of 
a few issues at a time, I think. She's not a permanent member of any of the other groups, is she? I don't think so. And I I could see them if the entire creative team, uh, everyone, not just Robbie, decided to step away from the book, maybe putting her on a team, um, you know, taking her to another Earth as kind of a transition to another solo series. I don't know if they jump right into another uh, Gwen solo title if the entire team left. That would be a huge shakeup for the readership. I think we saw with the Hannah Blumenreich issue, um, which had different art as well. There was a little bit of continuity. Obviously, Jason wrote on that book as well. Um, and the coloring from Rico, it didn't feel completely out of the blue, but I think it would be, a, it's such an interesting book stylistically um, and tone-wise. It's very different than a lot of the Marvel books. I think it would be a little bit much to completely bring in a new creative team without any sort of uh, transition. So there was an interesting moment in the middle of this issue where the foggy matte kind of dynamic starts to creep through. And we haven't seen much of that dynamic go on in this series, but it is very well established in the main Marvel continuity. And it's kind of nice to see some things don't change where you've got foggy being the more kind of neurotic anxiety driven side of things. And Matt being super cool and cold and, and kind of, calculating obviously this is matt murdoch to the extreme of being super cold and calculating but he's often the cool-headed one compared to foggy kind of being a bit more wacky and, and freaking out a bit more easily i thought that was a nice little glimpse in that into their dynamic and the fact that maybe foggy's having second thoughts he's not entirely on matt's side in this and because we got the kind of hint that all oh, they might be playing off against each other in the courtroom and now he seems to be under the thumb of matt murdoch any ideas, any predictions for what's going to be happening with, with Foggy Nelson and Matt Murdock going forward? I do really think that maybe Foggy could be a wild card um, in this arc, that he could go up against Matt. Um, there's really, the the thing is that there's no one that Matt Murdock is afraid of in this earth, as far as we can see. I think it would add <laughs> an, an extra layer of like complexity, um, an extra twist if we see someone go after Matt who's not Gwen. Because I honestly am not sure mm. if that's the right um, endpoint for for Gwen to take down Matt. I don't see that happening. I think their kind of twisted relationship is ever gonna pre- is gonna prevent that from ever happening. But I I, I in my like fan cast in my like you know Tumblr uh, fan fiction version, you know Foggy's <laughs> the wild card. He's gonna take down Matt Murdock. I'm inclined to agree, and I, I think he'll do it. Like quietly, right? He'll have that mm, moment of clarity, and you know, I, it'll be, and it maybe some kind of legal maneuver or something. But you know, he'll have, he'll get to have those final words as Matt is either put in the cop car before, you know, before the door is closed, or you know, Matt dying somewhere and Foggy standing over him saying, "Well, that's what you get for underestimating." But yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree, Breeze. I think that's he, he's got a surprise or two waiting. Either way, it's going to be very satisfying as a reader uh, to yeah, see Matt yes. Murdock taken down uh, whenever that happens. Hopefully it happens. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Definitely, definitely. And we've got Gene kind of piecing things together because Foggy says, like, oh, I think Detective DeWolf's onto us kind of thing in the in the scene with George. And I wonder what part she has left to play as well, whether she's going to be an integral part of getting Foggy to for want of that phrase, switch sides and help the good guys or something like that, or or maybe even talk Gwen down from unleashing the rage as Gwenham or something like that. I really like Jean, and I think 
she may be she might that she's my pick for the wild card if you're if you've got foggy breeze i'm gonna go for gene as the wild card <laughs> okay very nice yeah i i think with having uh gwen back in the city and um with her as gwenna maybe a little less in control i think we are gonna see come some of those secondary characters kind of step up in the plot and play a bigger role which i'm looking forward to i think it's nice to have her back from madripoor um and in her hometown <laughs> Okay, so we've got Foggy and Wolf as the wildcard picks. I'm going to go and say uh, Betty is the wildcard pick because Betty is <laughs> is a badass, as we've seen in the Halloween issues. Honestly, at this point, it would not surprise me if Betty <laughs> right. is the one to defeat Gwen. <laughs> Betty and the cat, right? <laughs> so at the end of the day, how would you summarize your response to Spider-Gwen number 24 in three words? I'm going to go for Gwen finally unleashed because we've been waiting a long time for this and it's nice to see the character actually show up on panel brian how about you uh i'm gonna say it was intense exciting and scary it was genuinely scary not just you know in terms of the designs and stuff but that stomach dropping moment of gwen and her dad I, i think that that really that hit home for me and I'm going to go with more Gwenum, please, because I cannot <laughs> wait to see how the rest of this turns out. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah, we asked for some responses on Twitter as well. We heard from a few few folks. Um, Stefan at school at Games Enlisted, and I'll, uh, I think I'll have to bleep this out accordingly, but he just simply said, <laughs> shit got real. And I said, hey, that was my uh, three original three-word summary. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that says it all. We also got one, of course from our man Dan at Sup Spider Talk, Superior Spider Talk guys. He cheated, as I called him out on Twitter. He had a four-word summary. What even is Gwenum? And I thought that was an interesting interesting one, ignoring the fact that he broke the three-word summary. We have one rule on this show, Dan. Come on, (laughs) keep up. And then uh, a surprise on that exchange, Gwen herself responded uh, at Gwendolyn Stacy, and she just said, easy, we are Gwenum. <laughs> then she added, er, I don't know, crazy as <laughs> works too. So <laughs> <laughs> always nice to hear from her. <laughs> yeah. And I love how she uh, eases the we, since as we've seen with Gwen, it's always yep. we now. <laughs> yep. That's what we thought of this issue, but we would love to hear from you guys. Drop us a line. Feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com, where you can head over to the website and click on the Talk to Us button. You can connect with us on Twitter at The Ultimate Spin or on Facebook at Ultimate Spin Podcast. We're also on Instagram at ultimate underscore spin underscore podcast using the hashtags SpiderGwen, Spider-Man, and Miles Morales. You can also find our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Just search for Ultimate Spin. Breeze, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, It was really fun hanging out and uh, getting a talk win with you. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Um, Listeners can find me on Twitter at Breeze Riley. And uh, of course, I encourage you to check out the Marvel Report. And more excitingly, I'll be at New York Comic Con next week. So hopefully I run into some listeners while waiting in Jason Latour's signing line. Ah, But again, it's, it's been a pleasure to be on and I've really enjoyed speaking with both of you. Oh, thanks so much. And Jack, if the listeners want to follow your adventures outside of this podcast. I have a bunch of other podcasts. They can be found on various podcast formats. I host Sequelizers, Intercomics Podcast, 
and I appear on my friends the Super 8-Bit Power Hour show fairly regularly as well. If you want to follow me personally, I'm at JLW Chambers on basically everything. And Brian, how about you? Uh, for me, you can find Twitter, Instagram, other podcasts I've been working on. All that good stuff is at project37.net. That is it for us for now. But in our next episode, we've got a doubleheader for you. Spider-Man 2, issue number three. Meeting the Miles Morales, who is already in the Marvel Universe, sets our miles off. Luckily, Peter Parker is by his side. And then the Generations Spiders special. When it comes to problems, Peter Parker's got it all. Bullies, ailing ants, doppelganger, crushing responsibility, and wait, doppelganger? What does this have to do with Miles Morales? And we've also got Spider-Man number 21. Miles has been pulled in a million directions once, and he's starting to come apart at the seams. And then coming up next month, we have Spider-Gwen 25. Gwenum starts here. Gwen's life irrevocably changes as she bonds with her universe's version of the Venom symbiote. What does it mean for her relationship with crime kingpin Matt Murdock, with her father, and with the Osbournes? And in a world where each week seems to bring new headaches, new heartaches, it is really important to grab moments now and then to recharge. So thanks for hanging out with us to read and talk about these fun characters and their crazy comics. Be well, take good care, and we'll catch you soon on The Ultimate Spin. Oh,